This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Fish Flight Entertainment. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash YVR Screen Scene Podcast. A note before we begin. This episode contains discussion about domestic violence. Please take care. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work, capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Rani Furminger. Today, I am absolutely delighted to welcome filmmaker Dr. Jules Arita Kustachin to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Jules is a filmmaker behind Broken Angel, a thrilling dramatic feature that premiered at the Imaginative Film and Media Arts Festival and screens at the 2022 Whistler Film Festival. Broken Angel is a lot of things, a story about healing and mental illness, about family and acceptance, about domestic violence and legacy, about trauma and survival. Sarah Lee's MacArthur is Angel, a Cree woman and mother to 13-year-old Tannis, played with nuance and fire by Brooklyn Latexier Hart. Angel's mother, Gracie, died years ago as a direct result of her mental illness, and her loving father, Frankie's in jail. And as Gracie's frustrated ghost looks on, Angel experiences domestic violence at the hands of her partner, Earl, caught in an endless loop of violence and hollow apologies. But one night, Angel finds the strength to leave Earl and whisks Tannis away to a woman's shelter on the reservation. As the prospect of a new beginning comes to light, Angel must face Earl one last time in a confrontation that will determine the rest of her life and her mother's afterlife as well. Broken Angel is a fierce and haunting film, which is a fitting description, I suppose, because it's a ghost story. But in this case, the ghosts take many forms, including literal ghosts and more wily ones like intergenerational trauma and legacy. It's also a bold narrative feature film directorial debut from Jules and a stunning showcase for its actors, including Sarah Lise, Brooklyn, Asavak Kustachin, Olivia Lucas, David Lyle, Carlo Marx, and Jules herself. Oh, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Bro- Broken Angel isn't the only one of Jules' films to have his world premiere this fall. Jules' inventive and gripping short film, Mystic, premiered at Imaginative. Mystic follows the journey of young Cree twins who are in search of hope. They carry the last of the healthy trees on their backs. These trees keep them alive. Like Broken Angel, Mystic is something of a family affair. The film stars three of Jules' sons, Asavak, Poikin, and Tapwewin. And I have just learned that another son, a fourth son, Mahegan, was working behind the scenes. So today we will talk about family, about ghosts, about Broken Angel and Mystic, and joy with the remarkable Dr. Jules Arita Kustachin. Jules, 
Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Watch thank you for having me. Wow, what an intro. <laughs> it's all true, it's all you. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny to hear someone's thoughts about that process because it's been in my head for so long, right? And mm. you know, just having the premiere at Imaginative was, I, I don't know, it's just so vulnerable for an artist to share their work, right? So yeah, anyway, it's just, thank you for that intro. It well, thank you for sharing your work. <laughs> I'm glad. Thank you. What is a Jules Arita Kustachin film? You know, and, and what do the films, these two pr- films in particular, tell us about what's important to you as a filmmaker? So um, Mystic, I wrote before COVID, which is, you know, interesting. Huh. And I was on a gondola with my DP for another film I did called Ochisquacho about the Sasquatch. It's a short film. And we were talking about, you know, climate change and all the discussion that was happening around the world about what we need to do as human beings to create positive change for the land. Anyway, so we were looking around at the landscape and all the trees and the green and everything. And then we just started, you know, brainstorming and we came up with the idea. And then it, you know, took a few years for me to kind of get it going and get funding. And we got you know, um, Canada Council funding, and then we just started shooting, and we shot during COVID. Um, <laughs> but that one I used, um, well, I had enlisted a lot of the help of my students from Capilano University in the Indigenous Film Program. So we had a lot of students behind the scenes, and my son, Mahegan, who was actually helping me too as a coordinator. Um, and then obviously my three boys in front of the camera. Wow. The twins were a handful. They drove me absolutely nuts. <laughs> And then I find that reassuring. I don't know why. I find that I find that very, especially as the parent of an almost twelve-year-old. You know, that gives me some hope because if they're if they're driving you completely bonkers, you know, but you're still all able to create that work together. Yeah, there's hope for me and my child yet. (laughs) No, it was interesting because it was like you know I'm trying to direct them and then they're just rebelling against everything I say and then they're giving me you know dirty looks from across the set and I'm just like. (laughs) watch yourself boys watch yourself and then our guy you know Dave Chick who I use all the time for sound design on my projects I bugged him and bugged him I'm like will you come on board just be my um, on location sound guy and he's like yeah yeah okay I'll do it I'll do it for you and then he was just laughing at the kids like the twins conversations because he could hear absolutely (laughs) and they were just fighting the whole time arguing under their breath and I don't know, but I, you know, it's nice to work with your kids, even though they drive you crazy. Because yeah, it's like you know we're away from them for so long. You know, when we when when we have jobs or we're nine to fivers, whatever. It's just like it's nice to kind of share your arts practice with them. Yeah, do yeah. like was why did you why did you put them in the film? Like, had they expressed the desire no. to be actors as well? <laughs> They all have agents. Like, Asivak is a professional actor, right? He's been doing it for a while. Can I just shout out, like, some of my favorite yeah, um, Asivak sure. projects? Red Snow, uh-huh. Run, Woman, Run, mm-hmm. Portraits from a Fire. I love that film. It's so it's, fun. I think... Do you see me stammering? I can't even talk about the love. <laughs> I guess because I'd heard a lot of, like, you know, the buzz around Portraits from a yeah. Fire going in, and none of the buzz really prepared me for that and that film is just like seared into my, and it's it's fun and it's joyful and it explores topics you know like like big big topics and trauma mm-hmm. and legacy but 
so joyfully. You know, man, I still think of that. That uh, Sam, I, 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 yeah, Is it Sam. <laughs> I love Sam. Like I don't know what he's saying half the time, but I'm, and no clue, no clue. And it's become like a cult film, right? Oh, like, I bet. It's so funny. Like I'm just like, oh my god, I love that film, and it makes me cry. Yeah, it makes yeah. me cry because it reminds me of you know when I was young and I had these big aspirations, and I was like, one day I'm going to be a movie maker. One day I'm going to be an actor. You know, yeah. and it was so hard and the adversity and stuff so I just I really relate to that character yeah you know just wanting to make my work and um yeah so I for me that film is just incredible and yeah so we got boy. to see your boy in yeah. it who is a he's a remarkable man he's a remarkable actor um, <laughs> yeah. and just and just what we what we're able to see him do I mean even in just the three projects that I mentioned but then you know also in your work as well yeah. you know so he's an actor yes very much an actor and nice to work with a professional yeah. actor too. yeah so you what you had one so on mystic then you had one professional actor son you know and then the 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 two younger ones oh my gosh yeah we're just because okay so, so how did they end up in the film okay so I mean, I worked with the Manochi Squacho. I've worked. They've been on my sets for quite a while since they were small, so they know what my job is, and they've been around. And it was just an easy casting choice, you know, twin right. boys. So okay, I'll just cast my own boys, and I think they did a good job. It's like a great job, <laughs> and it was like you know pretty organic in terms of their relationship and you know their conversations and stuff. And we let them kind of ad lib and improvise so I think it turned out okay I, I mean I love mm. the film for me the film just represents you know hope as well because when you watch these post-apocalyptic films you never see indigenous people hmm. right and we would be the ones who survive because we have that indigenous knowledge land-based knowledge like you know my grandfather was a hunter trapper so why wouldn't we survive yeah. and we never do in these movies right we're not represented so I just felt like it was a statement that you know, we carry this sacred knowledge within us. It's passed down through generations. And then just to have two young boys represent hope and future mm. and maybe hopefully hope for the land as well, right? And climate yeah. change and everything else that's going on. And also that, you know, um, we see, we fast forward 10 years to one of the twins who is played by Asavak. Mm. You know, he's a little kooky in the film, which you would be a little bit crazy if you were alone for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the finale, I think, is just that maybe there are other survivors, you know? And I was hoping that potentially this could be a proof of concept for a series yeah. or a feature film and maybe represent other Indigenous communities from around the world who mm. survive um, an apocalyptic time or, you know event so i don't know there's hope for it i feel like yeah. there's other stories that can transpire from it yeah. yeah well i i hope i get to see that because that sounds amazing <laughs> okay so then what is the threat then you know because the initial question was like what is a jules arita kustachin film you know and then so what did this so you've talked about mystic right. and then broken angel like what's the thread between them you're the th you're a thread between right. them yeah. you know and so what is what did what does Broken Angel then tell us about what's important to you as a storyteller? So process and journey, mm. you know, the fact that I create opportunities for Indigenous youth, which I did with Mystic. Um, just you know, I had uh, a very young first AD who's uh, Michelle Crook on um, Mystic, and she was one of my students, and just creating an opportunity for a young woman because yeah. it is a very male-dominated industry. 
So I feel like my advocacy and the activism that I've done, because I used to work in the social service sector and the indigenous community is providing opportunity. And I felt like I did that with both films. So the process and the journey is just as important as the final product, hmm. right? Or the final film. Um, so yeah, I feel like that's the thread. It's like, you know, my, my writing journey, go, coming up with an idea, a concept, writing it out, figuring it out, getting to production, and then post-production, and then you birth, right? And then mm. you go through the labor, <laughs> and then you let it go, and then it's really nice to kind of see the journey that your film takes after it's out in the world, because you don't really know, right? Mm. You don't know where it goes. So I feel like for me, it's just all about the journey and stories that spark conversations, or I feel like, you know, they're very layered and complex, you yeah. know, when I'm talking about environmental issues with Mystic, I'm talking about Indigenous representation, I'm talking about hope, I'm talking about futurity, what does that mean for Indigenous people and land, so, and then I feel like with Broken Angel, you know, like I said, I used to work in the social service sector, um, so I worked with, a, like, a lot of incredibly resilient indigenous women in the shelter system, crisis center, everywhere else that I've worked. Um, I worked at, you know, Elizabeth Fry with incarcerated women. Oh, so, amazing. Yeah, and I feel like that story um, is rooted in those narratives. And, you know, we had 12 days to shoot it. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> we had 12 days. 12 days? <laughs> Jules, that's bonkers. I know, right? And we were super efficient. We did what we could. I yeah. mean, there was more that I wanted to do, obviously, but I mean, we didn't have the time. And I don't know if my listeners understand. <laughs> 12 days for a feature length film with very like challenging material as yes. well. Like, there are short films that will take longer than 12 days, right? So I am amazed. And Mystic was like three days. Like, I feel like. I, <laughs> I know, and I think I'm shocked. I would like to get up to a place in my career where I have more time and more money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. so I'll show you what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the problem is you're showing us what you can do with, right. with, with like the, the smaller budgets and not enough time. You know, like wow, that but is. But it's very stressful, though. Yeah, like, it's not like the best. You know, I think you you want to keep your sanity when you're shooting, and you want to have a little bit of creative time. And yeah. you also want to give your actors time too, right? Like yeah. we're, we're sh- we were shooting rehearsals like and this is like when we were shooting Broken Angel it was during the floods and stuff in remember last year in November in Langley like trees were coming down it was only last year yeah like I'm like I'm sorry listeners I'm just going through this entire podcast just (laughs) shocked that was only last year well we shot yeah we shot November wow and then we got it done and I you know Laura Mazur was our editor and she's a, she's amazing I absolutely love, love her, her. Yes. And so we had a really strong team like yeah. we just all worked really well together and got it done super efficient team yeah and Patty Poskett's our executive producer and she you know we just had the best team ever and I wouldn't have been able to do it you know without wow. them so incredible all right so I want to spend a bit more time let's let's go a little bit deeper than sure. into Broken Angel then what was the inspiration for Broken Angel? So I used to work at a woman's shelter, you know, as a senior manager, acting CEO of a woman's organization, an indigenous women's organization in Toronto. So we had a crisis center, second stage housing, a daycare, you know, shelter, like a shelter. And um, I don't know, I was just there for a really long time. 
I still consider myself an artist, but I had to survive, right? I had two yeah. kids. I was a single mom with the two older boys. So um, I just felt like being there, I learned so much about, you know, just what women go through. And, you know, all women, like, I mean, it didn't matter where they were coming from or their class or social class or whatever. It just felt like there was, we were all kind of dealing with the same kind of, um, you know, violence in yeah. some way or form. So in working with these women, I felt that um, their story needed to be told. Um, you know, I was desensitized after a while because there's only so much you can see working in a shelter. Yeah. And I burnt out. But, you know, it was That's inspired. so common, right? Yeah, it is, right? It's frontline work, too, and yeah. they don't get any credit for the work that they do, really. I mean, we should, you know, big shout out to frontline workers because oh, yeah. it's incredible, the work that they do, and they change lives and save lives. So, yeah, I just spent a lot of time in the social service sector, and... I was just always inspired by the fact that we could gather around the kitchen table and share a cup of tea and just laugh. Mm. And then sometimes the woman across from me would have a huge bruise on her face or just, you know, just come survive a, like a horrific incident or, or, or event in her life and then still come and sit and share stories. Like, yeah. how do we And do still that? sit and be there for other people, right? too. It's yeah, incredible. They, it's just... What women do for... <gasps> what we do for each other. The sisterhood, right? Yeah. Yeah, and... I feel like it, I don't know, it just felt like it was all those stories weaved into the script. Like, I felt like I paid tribute to all of their um, narratives or their, sorry, I don't even know how to articulate that, but it just felt like more of a tribute to what they survived, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I had, when I was at Whistler, I was in the screenwriter's lab, I had another version, and in the first version, or, you know, I, I didn't really speak to the shelter experience. Mm. So my mentors, like Dennis Foon, was like, you have access. No one else can write to this experience. Yeah, You can, because you work there. So maybe go there. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can go there. And then I did. And hmm. it works. And it works because I had access to that world. And I know what that world is like. I was yeah. there for a long time. Um, and we haven't really had the chance to see that world i mean i'm assu i'm making the assumption here that we haven't had the chance to see that world portrayed accurately on screen right mm -hmm. you know i mean you would know better than i would know how like how well has that world previously been portrayed on screen i don't i don't even know if it has really yeah. i mean i feel like you know because i mean you got a house there's 12 bedrooms you got a lot of women from a diff different walks of life it's not the easiest to share space, share bathrooms, share kitchens. You got kids, it's stressful. You know, you're dealing with all your trauma and stuff and then you put everybody in one space. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then you got grumpy staff. You got people that are just do more than they, you know, what's on their job description. So it's just a mix of people in a small space, right? Yeah. So a lot of things can happen. And then, you know, there's also the sisterhood and the support and the love and people showing up for work every day and doing whatever they can to make it a safe space. So I feel like, yeah, that's what Broken Angel is, is all those stories. And I do know that world and I know it very well because I was there for so long, yeah. right? And creating policies and procedures and managing and managing the other sites. So... I just knew who who needed us. 
Yeah. yeah. So is that the reason then that we see you in the film <laughs> as well? Well, why did you? Okay. Um, okay. I mean, it was wonderful to see you in. The, I wasn't expecting you, <laughs> and then there you were. And yeah. you know, and and you you are there as a as a kind of safe haven, you yeah. know, for for the character of Angel and um, yeah. and Tannis as well, you know. So are you like? Do, I mean, have have you acted a lot before? You know, like I, because I'm like, oh, she's really good. I'm feeling this. But like, is it? But you know, what informed that decision? And was part of it informed by the fact that like you had been kind of, you had acted in that or lived that role before in Toronto? I feel like for me, um, you know, being a single mom, because I was so heavily into the arts before I became a single mom, that it became hard to continue on that path. So I had to grieve letting go of my acting career because I really wanted to be an actor and I let it go once you know and then I went into the social service sector so I could you know and I tried to stay in the world but it's really hard there's not a lot of support where there wasn't back then for single moms and I was missing Uh, auditions there's there's still not a lot right (laughs) not a lot of support that's was so I was like okay why don't I just cast myself just do it why not I can do it Oh my gosh but it was so hard i was so tired i was so stressed out and i was because you're directing too and then you can see all the behind the scenes stuff going on and you're trying to be and be present in the scene and i think i messed up my line so many times because i was just like so multitasking at the time but i felt like for me i was almost honoring my spirit in a way and and Mm. saying you know what jules you know you don't have to let go of any more of your dreams just you know you created this world you created this film you created this opportunities so take advantage of it and that's what I did so I love that. <laughs> and a lovely little Easter egg for those of us who are very excited about about film especially um, indigenous film uh, there's another filmmaker that acts in the film oh. as well <laughs> we get to see Jesse Anthony Yay. yeah she did a cameo. filmmaker of, from, of a brother I cry yes. and yeah she's really good too oh, I know right <laughs> yeah she was my cameo and then Quana style was my cameo and then I had Renai Morisot because she's used to be on North of 60. So I just pulled friends and I'm like, you want to do a cameo? Yeah. You, do a cameo? you got incredible friends. <laughs> incredible friends. And they were all like, yeah, let's do it. So, and yeah, Jesse Anthony's awesome. I like Quana style too. She's really cool. So I was just like, it was fun. You know, yeah. I just wanted to bring people that I loved around me um, during that time. And also too, um, it's interesting. We had someone from behind the scenes, Joey Alec. Uh, he was uh, one of our crew. And he came up to us. We were all sitting around doing that healing circle scene. Hmm. And we were just all laughing and sharing stories. And he came up to me afterward and he goes, you know what? It's so nice to hear you guys laugh. Mm. You don't really hear that on set. And he goes, this is the difference. You know, when you have like an indigenous set, you guys are enjoying each other. You are talking and you're sharing space and you're just having a good time and he goes I just he, he, he just came up to me afterwards and thanked me for that that it was nice to hear that laughter I love that yeah because I, I because even I in you know my intro I said I wanted to talk about joy right. you know because I got the sense that I mean you're not always I mean we're not always seeing joy in some of the themes that you present, but I can also feel like, I don't know, and I'm like, maybe I'm just projecting, but I'm feeling <laughs> that there's some joy here. You know, yeah. so like, what role does joy play in your in your art, you know, and in making, a, in making films? Like, is that something that is a priority for you? I think it just comes out of my Cree humor. My indigenous yeah. humor just comes out in the culture, right? And I feel like with Broken Angel, my joy is Tannis. Mm. She's my little Wonder Woman. And she is the person that I wished 
I was when I was younger facing adversity. Hmm. Like I wish I had that voice and strength. Yeah. I mean, that she's my hope. She's my joy. And I loved her like one liners in the film. Oh, so good. And she just kept putting her <laughs> mom in place. And I was like, yes, you know, because that's a bit of me. But I wasn't as strong as that character. And I wish I was when I was young. But, yeah. you know, there's only so much you can do when you're surviving or in your you're in survival mode. But, um, yeah, and I feel like, you know, the, the sweat lodge scene, like ceremony, you know, the bath scene, the cleansing mm. scene, um, some of the shelter stuff. I just feel like... And then the little moments between Tannis and Angel in the farmhouse as well. Mm. You know, there's little kind of moments here and there yeah. that show their humanity and yeah. their relationships and the complexity. So I feel like, you know, even the neighbor Sam, you know, the neighbor Sam who comes uh, out. The neighbor, <laughs> yes. I love the neighbor. You know, like I have him as my savior <laughs> character in a way because he just comes out and he's been watching this go down for a long time. and. I just feel like he's just, you know, he's her, he's her savior in a way because he has a car for her, you know? Yeah. He, and that's what happens is, like, when you're in that kind of a situation, you have to have some sort of a safety plan. And I yeah. know that from working in the shelter. You have a history of care. So what happens if you go back? Let's hide your ID. Where do you put your money? Um, you have to talk to your neighbors. So if something mm. happens, you have an escape plan. Like, I know all that from working in the shelter system. Yeah. that's That was my reality for a long time. So I embedded that in the story as well. And probably not intentionally, just because I knew it. Yeah. And, you know, that character is there and he's there as a support. And you can kind of tell that they had a relationship and she trusted him and it was Frankie's friend. So, yeah, I just wanted to also honor Frankie's character, too, because we don't see a lot of that beautiful father-daughter relationship. Yeah. In, in indigenous stories or indigenous film or representations of indigenous family life. So I felt that was important as well. And also the political thing there, socio-political thing there is to kind of talk about or open the discussion around the incarceration of indigenous people. Right. And yes. extended sentencing and, you know, all of that. So I felt like I pulled everything that I could possibly pull in politically, socially into the film. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, yeah. Incredible. What what actions did you take to make sure that you presented the impact of domestic violence accurately while not re-traumatizing your actors or crew or or your audiences, yeah. you know? And I, I got to say as I'm I'm an audience member and I I I thought it was just was handled so well, you know, that that I I could feel the the violence and the reality of it without feeling I don't know, hurt by it. Right. Yeah. I feel as women, we see a lot of violence against women on yeah. screen. And I feel like with this shift happening in the industry where we have more women, non-binary, uh, two-spirit people behind the scenes, we will see less of it. We don't necessarily have to see that violence because yeah. we survived it and we live it. Yep. So why do we have to see it on the screen? So there was a lot of thought in terms of how to approach those scenes. Mm. Um, I mean, there's still violence in it, but it's not as hardcore as you would see in other films. Yeah. Um, I felt like, you know, the sound design was a good way to approach it. Um, but uh, yeah, like I just feel like we don't necessarily have to s have it thrown in our faces. Like yeah. we can have the discussion, we can kind of, you know, we know what's happening. So uh, we were very careful not to go all the way there because yeah. I don't think you need to we get the point we know she's in a 
you know, in a bad situation with their partner. Um, <laughs> I know that's the funny scene when, when they run over Earl. <laughs> <laughs> and you have like Tannis laughing and I was like but her character like she was so in character she actually laughed and I was like alright okay I guess we'll use we don't have time to do a retake <laughs> I thought that that was fantastic right? that was fantastic I mean and, you didn't die yeah. or anything but it was kind of like this revenge you know like she she's just a little badass yeah. if I can say that but oh, I just you can you character. can absolutely say that you can say she's a fucking badass she <laughs> she's really a badass, she so. really really is yeah no I've, I I and I, I appreciate it I appreciated that and I, I appreciate what you're talking about um like we have to acknowledge the reality of, of violence yes, you know like and it's, it's it. important because you know for so long um like my grandmother volunteered for uh with interval house for right. many years and had also you know been a, a woman that had been battered by her husband and lived in lived in violence um and you know everybody in the everybody knew it you know, you 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 know, my mother would talk about that. You would know the homes that where you know the violence was happening, um, but you know nobody talked about. It. You definitely didn't see it presented, you know, in in media, you know, at all. And I think that there is a way, you know, and I think that you've done that uh, very well. And also Bones of Crows mm-hmm. at Vifta, you know, acknowledge you know different kinds of violence, you know, really well, where it's you you present it, but it's not exploiting it. Yes, you know, yes. it's it's with purpose. You pre- it's present presenting the violence with purpose because it's. It's necessary for the story. Yeah. You know, it's necessary to kind of go there to a certain point, but you don't have to exploit it, like you say. Yeah, yeah and exactly. for the conversation, you know, it's important. Like, representa- all kinds of representation right. is needed, you know, including representation of, of violence. And, and we don't and want to erase that. That we, 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 I think it's really important, too, because I think within the film industry, too, it's like, okay, we go from one end of the, pe- one end of the pendulum to the other, right? So it's like let's go there let's not go there let's go there let's not you know and I feel like right now as a society we're dealing with the you know violence against indigenous women murdered missing indigenous women is an epidemic Mm. so we can't erase those stories yeah like why would we you know we're not all living in this utopia we still need to have a conversation about how to make things better for our women in our communities so let's talk about that but yeah Anyway, and I feel like Broken Angel does that as well. Absolutely. <laughs> what were some of when you when you reflect on the experience of of making the film? And I know that making a film it's not just twelve days, right? <laughs> it's not usually twelve days for no, a feature, anyway. No. But you know, it's a very very long process. You know, especially on this land. Um, you know, but but what are some of the most memorable moments? You know that that come to your mind or surface in your heart when you when you look back at the creation of Broken Angel. I feel like, um, for me, it was a spiritual journey. For me, it's like closure in a way. Hmm. It acknowledges uh, a chapter in my life because while I was running the woman's shelter, I was in an abusive situation. Mm. So it just, you know, it, there's a lot of shame attached to it. There's a lot of pain, you know, and I was in that position of managing a shelter and I was going home to, you know, um, just not the best situation. Hmm. So, you know, it just shows that it's happening within our community and there's still, we, we still need to kind of open up that dialogue and make sure that people feel safe in sharing their story. So Broken Angel for me just, it means closure. It means that there's still more that needs to be done. Mm. I feel like 
and it's been a long process. I started writing that back in 2006. Yeah. Another sh- mo- moment for <laughs> Sabrina's shock. 2006. Wow, this was a long yeah. birthing process. But it just kept getting shut down. We don't want to hear these kinds of negative stories. There's no audience for that. Oh, you're only going to have women on it. Like, it was just like nonstop. Like, I was just getting doors shut, shut, shut. And then I finally said, I'm just going to do it myself. Yeah. And then I got Patty Poskett on board and we did it. So it just feels like, oh, thank God, like this project is done. You yeah. know, it's not like weighing on me. Like, because it is more than a story. It's part of my story. Yeah. You know, and also my story as an indigenous person working in the film industry and how challenging it is. Right. And all those barriers. And I'm sure there's many barriers for many women in this industry. Uh, you know, we all know that. So it just kind of demonstrates how long it takes to actually make a feature film as a woman and yeah. about something as you know important as this subject matter. So, yeah. Yeah. I'd love to spend some time talking about about your your actors and specifically your your I would love to talk about Sarah and Brooklyn and Asavak. Um what what special qualities did they bring to their roles? Well, I saw Sarah Lise on Monkey Beach. She had a very small role on Yes, she right? did, but scene stealer yeah right and i saw her and i was like who is that yeah who is that woman yeah i was just like who is that and then i was just like researching and searching her out and i found her name and i was like that's angel yeah that is angel because she's she's so cool she has such a cool filmography too i remember her from like arctic air oh really and then um (laughs) what was it called sky and chang i think that was a loretta loretta scott todd yeah had done this this uh, sorry loretta Loretta Saratod had done this um, series that was about like um, one uh, Asian woman and uh, one indigenous woman yeah. and they like ran a dojo together oh. and like fought crime and it was super it was so it's so cool they yeah. did a they did a, a pilot for that but yeah so she's been just sealing steens all over yeah, the place she's yeah like I mean she embodies Angel and she yeah. has this kind of rawness to her and edge to her and she goes there and for yeah. me that's that as soon as I saw her and then she recommended I was having a hard time finding Tannis because I needed someone who can kind of you know who had the maturity to kind of take on that kind of subject matter yeah and she introduced me to Brooklyn and I was like yes because she was in Night Raiders as well right yeah um and Burden of Truth so for me it was just like and they worked together before right and I needed people who had chemistry because we had no time and then she recommended she actually recommended Carlo Marx too because they worked together huh. and I was like and I first saw Carlo I was like he is really pretty yeah <laughs> and I was like hmm but then he sent in his audition I was like oh my god he's the one yeah so I didn't have to do a lot in terms of their chemistry because they'd all worked together uh, Carlo didn't work with Tannis before but I mean he's such a professional beautiful actor and, yeah you know he's amazing but they came prepared like we only had one table read they had to do all their prep on their own and we were shooting rehearsals so their acting is like their performances are incredible when you think about the fact that they had like, no time like they had their own personal time yeah but once we got to set it was like let's go let's go and can you imagine if we had more time to work through the scenes and not have to rush through everything mm. i wonder like i i i love that 
like I wonder I love the idea though that and like we, we talk about this in in um, regards to that you know the crazy eights filmmaking competition yeah, as yeah. you know as well where because you don't have the time to to sit and kind of stew in things yeah. you have to make decisions that you know are, your first instinct is always right you know no but no it'd be nice if you had way more time and way yeah. more money and all that but like this there's magic in this in this film you know so and I guess like you know you knew your son's work oh so. yeah I mean I see that was I, I wanted I was very careful not to have like a savior character like I didn't want anyone to come in and sweep Angel off her feet yeah because that's not the reality yeah. if you're on your healing journey you have to do the work no one's going to do it for you yeah and no one's going to take care of that you have to take care of it yourself so I wanted to you know honor that because he's there but he's also representative of our healthy indigenous men mm. you know and he gives her her space but he's also a dad He's also, you know, trying to figure out that as well. But I wanted to show that really healthy, beautiful spirit that he is. And, he, and of course, he comes on screen, right? And my cousin, Adrian Sutherland and Midnight Shine, you know, the song Angel mm-hmm. comes on as soon as the CVAC is on the screen. I'm like, <laughs> he is an angel. He's my little beautiful boy. Yeah. He's now a man. But he just came in and he was like a breath of fresh air. He's an oasis, right? Like when you see yeah. him in the film, it's like you can actually, you feel safe. When Carlos is around, like his character Earl, you don't feel safe. You feel like stifled. You feel like you're being suppressed, yeah. you know, and, and you're anxious. But when a Sivak's there, it's like, oh, look at that. And you don't normally see that in, in, in other films that are more mainstream. So, you know, just meet these really incredible human indigenous characters with diff- like many layers or so. Yeah, the, the, the multitudes of, yes. of, you know, the indigenous experience, right? right. It's not like... Everybody, you're just one type of person, you know. It's it was wonderful like to see that. Yeah, like, like you a get caricature. your caricature. What do you call yeah. that? A, a, a caricature, a character. stereotype. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. One dimensional. Yeah. Exactly. So this film has now. It's now started its journey with other people now, uh-huh. with with audiences. And so you had your premiere at <sighs> Imaginative. Yes. Can you tell me about like, you know, what what was there anything in the reaction, you know, that that surprised you? Um, Or did you learn anything from how the film was received by audiences? I was so scared. I had two premieres. One back, like, Broken Angel first and right after Mystic. And there was no Q&A after Broken Angel either. I just ran from one screening to the next. So I was, like, so nervous. I was shaking. I was sinking in my seat. I was like, oh, my God, are people going to, you know, you're just, it's scary. That's a a big day. (laughs) Yeah, it was intense. and. I could just, you know, it's just stress, right? I was like, oh my God, I got to leave. I got to get out of here. I, I, I can't take it. What if they hate it? You know, you're just in your head. Oof. And then afterwards, when everybody started kind of circling around me, I was just like, oh, okay. And then one person was like bawling beside me. And then we had some Maori filmmakers there that were in the back and they were screaming. They're like, run, Angel, kick him in the ass. <laughs> like you can just... I was like, what is happening? Like everybody was just so engaged. And I was like, oh, I did something. I did it right. Like everything's worked out. It's okay. It's okay, Jules, you can breathe. But I was still so nervous, right? Yeah. I was just like, but I think once you see it on the big screen that first time you can actually take a breath after you're like, okay, yeah. all right, you know, like <laughs> let it go. Like it's gonna go on this journey and let it have its journey. But cause story carries agency, right? It has the power to change perspective and it has its own spirit. So you kind of once you see it on the big screen it's like it's just like here you go yeah go live your life and I'll be right here (laughs) um so I feel like that was a huge kind of 
milestone or I don't know because you know you work so hard it's been many years over a decade and to see it come to life become a reality is also huge Mm. so it was all the things it was all the feels it was everything it was just I don't know how to explain it I think you're explaining it really well I'm so happy (laughs) like emotional I'm like I'm so happy that you got from it from that day but that's a that's cruel you know love imaginative (laughs) I love what they program but that's heavy like don't do that (laughs) really and then mystic was beautiful on screen like seeing mystic was like it's a beautiful film like and I'm just so proud of all my students like they just and your children who even though they gave you such a such a hard time everybody yeah yeah Yeah, it was just great I mean I was so happy happy and relieved afterwards but yeah I was exhausted <laughs> yeah I've I bet so I mean so you have um so Broken Angel will be screening up at Whistler which is mm. one of my favorite festivals oh, yes. both in terms of how they program it the, the films but also like the opportunities that they give to filmmakers I mean you're you're literally an example of right. you know like the, the space and the resources that they give to filmmakers to you know to really like you know develop their ideas mm. and make make meaningful connections and I mean you talked about you know having somebody say hey this is this is yeah. <laughs> you, you should consider this and then it made your film so much better yeah. you know so what kind of I mean you can't you can't make people feel a certain way right you know you can just present them with your right. story and but in a perfect world like what conversations would you like to overhear, you know, people having, you know, either in the theater or in the lobby or, you know, at a restaurant after, you know, after a screening of Broken Angel? You know, what, what kind of questions would you like them to be, you know, asking of themselves? Right. That's a good question. I Because I only have, like, been to one screening so far. I feel like... And you didn't have a Q&A. And we didn't have a Q&A. <laughs> so, but I had people come up to me and thank me. Yeah. I had um, people hug me. You know, um, even when I was on set, when we were renting a studio, I had one of the workers at the studio come up and say, you know, I'm listening, I can see what you're doing and thank Mm. you and crying. And they're just thanking me for sharing these kinds of stories that are so important. And, you know, I don't know, that's a good question. I just, I want people to be emotionally impacted. Mm. I want people to be um, prompt or prompted into creating change or into action. Um, I want people to kind of know that this is still happening, that we can do something. Um, I'm really action focused, Mm. (laughs) so I'm a doer, you know? It's like, we have to do more. I don't know, I just, I, 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 I really like stories that are impactful and have meaning and are layered. I mean, I'll do fun, kind of fun documentaries like I've done in the past, very kind of family ones. But I mean, unfortunately, I've had such an adverse um, childhood and young adult life that these stories are very real for me. Mm. So I can go there. Um, I don't know how much I really want to go there, but I can. Um, I don't know. That's I, I don't know what I want people to take away. I feel like just fuel for action, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So, are you able to? Are what are you? What are you in the process of birthing right now? Oh. Can you ta- can you give us any yeah. hints about? So I've got three things. I've got two three. Feature, yeah, I've got three. Uh, sorry, yeah, three projects. Um, two feature documentaries. One is called Wapake, which translates to Tomorrow with the National Film Board, hmm. and it's about the residential school su- 
uh, experience, but it's about um, the next generation and how do we find hope in tomorrow. Mm. So we're in post-production right now. Hopefully we'll be done in the spring. And then I've got Chubby Cree about the prodigy child with the voice. You should look him up. Noah is an incredible singer. Okay. Sang with Greta um, or, you know, opening for Greta at her talk. And then so those are the two docs that I'm doing. And then we've got telefilm for my next feature called Angela's Shadow, which is part of the trilogy. So you got Broken Angel, Angela's Shadow, and It Is Beautiful is the third one. So working on that one right now. It's so it's trilogy. all yeah, it's all it's the same actors trilogy. in different roles. Yes. I didn't know. <laughs> oh wow. That's yeah. I oh I love and that. And more money. So the next film will have twenty days. More I'm sorry, money. and you said it's the same actors but in different roles. Yes. That's I, I love that, yeah. you know, so you get to play more. Yeah. And uh, Sarah Reese will be the lead in the second film. She's Angela. You're an actor. In I'll your... be in it too. Yay! <laughs> I hopefully, I mean, I, I was like, you know, when you have final draft and you do the reports, I'm like, oh my goodness, I better cut all my lines here because I got way too many lines. <laughs> but I think I can do it. I mean, I did it for this can. one. I just need to be better prepared and more time for prep. But you know, I feel a little bit more at ease because we have more time. Yeah. No car scenes, stunts, all that. Well, we probably have stunts, but no more car scenes or multiple locations. So I think it'll be a little bit easier, maybe, or easier to manage. Who knows? I, I don't know. I'm laughing. No, I know I'm laughing because I sp- <laughs> there's always something, right? right? I spoke yeah, to yeah, so yeah. many filmmakers and it's like, nope, there'll be something, some kind of challenge and you'll yeah. you'll overcome it. And yeah. It, it'll be it'll be great. It has been just such a joy hosting you here today, Dr. Jules Arita Kustachin. Um, where can our fans find you, follow you, celebrate you on um, social I'm on media? Twitter. I don't know what my handle is. I can't remember. <laughs> okay, that's great. Well, I'll, I'll put that in the footnotes yeah. for the episode. W- whatever and it is. Instagram. <laughs> I love my Instagram. I you know I'm just always on there posting stuff. I'm on Facebook, but that's you know kind of you know, not so much on there as I used to be. And uh, I have a website, you know, www.juleskustachin.com. And yeah, so that's where you can find me. Um, yeah. yeah, and uh, you can you can also find Jules up at Whistler Film Festival, yes. I'm assuming. Yes, I'll be and there. Um, you know what I, I think people will be doing after Broken Angel, though? You will probably hear, because this happened to me. What? I, I had Goodbye Earl on my, oh, my. <laughs> on my mind. I was singing it for like days after, like bit, bopping around singing it, because uh, I, 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 yeah, it's a. Uh, oh my God, we were so praying <laughs> we would get the rights to that song, because we already shot the scene, and I'm like, if we lose this scene, we lose five minutes minutes of footage no oh no and it fits so perfectly right? it fits so perfectly yes. yeah I, I was like ah! no I, I and I won't spoil it for for uh, our I listeners at all I spoiled the whole film didn't I was I giving away too much no okay cool. no I mean we were f- reflecting on it right. and um, I think I think this will get people really uh, jazzed about seeing the film yeah, so see you. the film you can see it uh, at the 2022 Whistler Film Festival you can visit whistlerfilmfestival.com for screening times tickets and all the information you need about how to partake in Canada's coolest film festival oh and <laughs> we just have a dis- we have our distributor on board IndyCan IndyCan yeah, so I just yeah. want to throw that out there too yeah that's a that's a big ass deal <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. a really big deal and um, I'm sure that that there is going to be a lot more stops on on the festival journey on the circuit for Broken Angel and for Mystic so yeah keep an eye on um, uh, Jules's social media feed for all the information about that and um 
she didn't say what they were, so I will pop those into the <laughs> footnotes for for this episode as well. Thank you. Thank you so this much. This was fantastic. Yeah. All right. And listeners, thank you for joining us today. Please like, subscribe, leave us a review if you are so inclined. They help us find even more listeners, and then we can keep having conversations like the very joyful one that we had today. Find us at YVRScreenScene.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVRScreenScene and at SabrinaArmf. The YVR Screen Scene Podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Ronnie Mara Furminger, and it's edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Furminger for technical support, and to Dane, not Furminger Devilay, for the original music. YVR Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And... Cut! This ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of Hollywood North history, the fish flight. In the 1980s, the fish flight was an early morning flight from Vancouver that delivered fresh fish to Los Angeles before the start of the business day. These were the early days of Hollywood North, before digital deliveries and fast transfer speeds, and the pioneers of the Vancouver film industry began loading up the fish flight with film reels so Hollywood execs could review the footage shot on the previous day. The fish flight was also one of the building blocks of the visual effects and animation mecca that is present-day Vancouver. And Fish Flight Entertainment builds on this legacy. Fish Flight Entertainment serves the games, film, and television industries. We remember the days of the fish flight and attack our projects with the same passion as those pioneering days of yore. We believe in jumping off the cliff and building our wings on the way down. And who knows? That old fish with improvised wings may even fly. Learn more about Fish Flight Entertainment at fishflightentertainment.com. That's fishflightentertainment.com.